You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Thursday, 8 February, Chinese year-on-year inflation comes in at minus 0.8%. Expected was minus half a percent and previous was minus 0.3%. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Gary Boyson ran Swiss Disney results, or is Netflix the better option? Jakob Meyer from Cliff Decker Hofmeyer, 30 years of mining in Darbe. Has it worked? And what's the hope for this year's event? Johan Els, chief economist at Old Mutual. Sona tonight, will we see detailed plans to repair electricity and even more than that, the logistical challenges? This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Is Eskom doing more maintenance than under Durator? The answer is yes. Business day, sappy braces for shipping price hikes. Transport costs have risen as vessels increasingly sail around the Cape to avoid tax en route to the Suez Canal. Morning markets, US was green, S&P up 0.8%, NASDAQ added a full percent. Over in the east, it is mixed, Sydney up a quarter of a percent, Tokyo 1.7% higher, Hong Kong minus 0.9% and Tencent off 1.1%. Commodities, mostly red, gold 2050, Brent is higher at 79.51, Platinum 887, Palladium 896. Rand, 1889, Bitcoin, 44,600, and top 40 looking for a red open, 110 points or 0.15% to the downside. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Chatting with uh, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. Gary, appreciate the early morning. Uh, Disney results coming out. This was Q1 for their uh, 24 year to end December. Not a bad set of numbers. You and I have talked to Disney before. We both liked Disney. We weren't so sure about Netflix. Netflix has, well, won the share price battle. Make no mistake about that. But I've got to say, even at just under 100, I don't know, Disney looks, looks attractive, surely. Yeah, so we've chatted about it a couple of times. I actually went back and looked at yeah. it. So we chatted kind of mid mid twenty twenty one, and we I think at that stage we compared Netflix to Disney and and said Disney was the way to go. Uh, when we chatted mid twenty twenty two, we we were looking like heroes. So it was uh, yeah, I think we were about fifty percent in the money on the relative pair. Since then, it's unwound. So Netflix has really just come back with a vengeance. I mean, we've we've seen it in their numbers as well. You know, subscribers, they added 13 million subscribers yeah. in their most recent announcement, share price up 10%, and it looked really good. But if you look at the two businesses, and I have to choose today, am I going to buy Disney or, or Netflix? I've got to go with Disney again. <laughs> and, and if you look at it, I, I mean, I kind of look at that relative chart uh, since 2018. That's kind of when Disney really got into the streaming business. Um, it, it, it kind of fluctuates. You go between, up, up to about 100% in the money if you're holding Disney, then you've moved about 50% out of the money, and it, it does fluctuate. Now, I think it's important for listeners to also understand that these businesses are not exactly comparable because there's a, that big yeah. parks business within Disney that Netflix doesn't have. And it's actually one of the reasons that I prefer Disney to Netflix because Disney has the ability to... Uh, attack the market from an omni-channel approach. It's not just reliant on these subscribers. It's, it's, it has so many more revenue streams. Um, so today, I still like Disney over Netflix, and I still think that the next 
five years are, are going to belong to Disney. Uh, if I look at it just from a pricing point of view, before we look at the results, which were good, like don't don't we don't have to make no bones about it. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know they, they they missed on the revenue line, but they beat well on the earnings line because of uh, because of cost cutting, um, and the share price is also it's up up about seven percent after market. So so like the market is definitely liking what they're seeing, um, but if you look at the two at the, at the two stocks themselves, you know, it's very difficult to look at you know like something like a PE ratio on these because Disney's going through a cost cutting <laughs> process, and you know the earnings line is gonna is gonna fluctuate all over the place. You know the, the you know if you look at Disney's uh, streaming business, yeah, it's not profitable yet. They're only predicting profitability at the end of this year. But if you look at the the price to sales figures, you're paying under two uh, for Disney, where mm -hmm. you're paying over six for Netflix. You're paying more than three times the price for the same same dollar of revenue when you look at something like Netflix versus Disney. And and Disney is cheap for what you're getting. So still like Disney. Um, and, and yeah, good. I think overall a good set of results from them last night. I, I take your point on that. And I mean, they're, they're direct to consumer, as they call it, which is Hulu and Disney+. Plus. I mean, they only lost $100 million. And I know that's a big only. But it, it, it's getting to that point of almost profitability. And, and that's what Bob Iger came back to do amongst solving issues around uh, ESPN. It really was, you know, get that Disney Plus up and happening and, and, and compete head on with Netflix in that, in that particular space. Yeah, and I think they they're doing all the right things. So obviously they've got the the activist shareholder issue going on in the background, but that that's kind of I think really focusing the board at this stage, and and I think I think that's important. So uh, looking at it, you, you obviously mentioned the getting ESPN right. So they're looking at launching ESPN streaming properly by 2025. They've also come out and said, you know, we we admit we've made a mistake with the type of content that we produced. And just as a consumer, when I flip on a Netflix and a Disney, I, I think mm -hmm. Netflix has far better content, but they know that. They've already come out and said we're going to rely far less on sequels, so not just the next Marvel movie or the Star Wars iteration 25. It's, it's going to be new content, but you'll only see that in about 18 months' time because that's how long it takes to create these new content. So the next two years, you're not going to see a big change in, in the Disney Plus uh, content offering, but that will change in, in two or three years, and I think that's pretty exciting. You, you look at the sports offering as well. Netflix is moving into sports aggressively. They see it as a growth yeah. area. They've signed a deal with WWE. Uh, That'll be started next year, and they're moving towards live entertainment. This is something Disney already has, and they've got it, <laughs> you know, it, 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 a far better asset in, in, in terms of ESPN. Um, how they're going to monetize that remains to be seen, and, and that we'll see in the next couple of years. But you know, I look at the two businesses, and, and I've got to say again, you know, it is a, it is a volatile pair that we're looking at. Netflix yeah. is a clear winner over the lot, like at, at the moment, and it's a winner over the long period of time. But I think these businesses, if you compare them head on head today, Disney, Disney is where I'd put my cash. Gary Boyson ran Swiss. Always appreciate the early morning. And that's our poll today, chatting with uh, Gary Boyson there. Disney results. The stock's up some 25% off recent lows from September, November, but still lags Netflix. Do you prefer Disney? Do you prefer Netflix? Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns, returning the favor and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanlib Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. 
Jane with Jakome, Director in Corporate and Commercial Practice at Cliff Decker Hoffmeyer. Jakome, good to chat again. You're down at the Mining in Darba, official title, Investing in African Mining in Darba. Now in its 30th year, has it held up to its promise of sort of shaping mining in South Africa and more broadly into the continent? Good morning, Simon, and thank you for having me again. Yes, as you've mentioned, this year celebrates the Indaba's 30th birthday. But since its inception in 1994, it's played a pivotal role in shaping the trajectory of the mining industry in South Africa. It was initially established as a platform to promote foreign investment following democracy Mm. and has evolved into a global forum for discussing the challenges and opportunities facing the mining sector. It serves as a nexus for industry leaders, policymakers, investors, and other stakeholders to converge and deliberate on the pressing challenges and opportunities facing the mining industry. Through keynote speeches and panel discussions and networking sessions, it fosters an environment conducive to constructive dialogue and collaboration. Over the years, it has served as a catalyst for policy reforms and technological innovation and sustainable development initiatives. This year's theme, Embracing the Power of Positive Disruption, a Bold New Future for African Mining, a lot of buzzwords there. What are they really trying to say with the theme this year, particularly positive disruption? Yes, the question really is, what does this actually mean? And there are varying definitions of this concept, but to my mind, Positive disruption has four key elements. Mm -hmm. It requires an honest and frank evaluation of where are we now and a proper understanding of what is required for the future. We need to be proactive, creative, and have a positive mindset to find solutions to current obstacles and challenges. And we also need to be receptive to innovation and new developments and change. Duncan Wanblad, the CEO of Anglo, recently said during an interview at the Indaba that doing nothing is not an option. Positive disruption in the mining sector entails more than just embracing technological innovations. It requires a fundamental shift in mindset and practices. Beyond increasing operational efficiency and productivity, positive disruption should prioritize environmental stewardship, social responsibility, and inclusive growth. Well, this means adopting sustainable mining practices, Mm -hmm. investing in renewable energy and water conservation, empowering local communities, and fostering transparent governance. Almost in a sense, and this perhaps is at the heart of what the whole Indaba is about, is it's kind of setting the tone, not just for the next 12 months, but for that future of mining and making it, to what you've just said, much more broader, much more inclusive. Yes. And you know what, someone, I think it's fair to say that progress is not always easy. But in this case, the old English probably comes to mind that necessity is the mother of invention. And that navigating this progress positively requires a, a multifaceted approach that balances economic growth on the one hand with environmental and social considerations on the other, and also being inclusive. This entails embracing the innovation to to improve efficiency and reduce environmental impact, mm-hmm. while also prioritizing stakeholder engagement and community development. And in some senses, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but mining in South Africa is kind of at a bit of a crossroads. Simon, very much so. The South African mining industry is at a critical juncture due to a confluence of factors. And in embracing the ideal of open and honest conversations, President Cyril Ramaphosa categorized these as global and domestic challenges. Mm -hmm. Globally, commodity price volatility, high energy prices, geopolitical tensions, and a global cost of living crisis are playing a significant role in dampening the business operating environment. Domestically, of course, we have the energy crisis and port and rail bottlenecks that we saw last year that are putting serious pressure on miners' operational costs. We also have regulatory uncertainty, 
illegal mining, cable theft, and the lack of maintaining infrastructure and vandalism that place a further strain on output and returns. The prevailing sentiment is sort of that the South African mining sector is teetering on a precipice where meaningful change is critical if we are to avoid going over the proverbial cliff. And that change is largely going to be driven by government, it's going to be driven by policy, it's going to be driven by execution of that policy. Are there robust and productive conversations happening between the policymakers with government and the mining houses? Absolutely, Simon. And I think the most encouraging statement came from President Solora Maposa during his opening address where he emphasized and encouraged the collaboration between government and the private sector to address our challenges. And it just goes to show again that the Indaba provides a crucial opportunity for all stakeholders to come together to identify the common priorities and to chart a course together towards a more inclusive and sustainable mining industry. We'll leave it there, Jakob May. He's Director, Corporate and Commercial Practice, Cliff Decker-Hofmeyer. Always appreciate the insights. If seagulls were harder dolls who could afford to retire to the coast, what kind of bird would you be? Would you soar over the savannah or chase summer around the globe? You see, even when you stop working, your money won't. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Johanna Els, Chief Group Economist at Old Mutual. Johanna, appreciate the time. Sona happening this evening, 7 o'clock. It's ahead of an election. Are we going to get a lot of grand promises? Well, I hope not. Even this government hasn't been overtly electioneering in terms of budgets or in Mm. terms of the sonar. But I do hope that there's some promises that can be kept in terms of sorting out the logistical issues that we suffer with. Last year, we had that big announcements around energy and the electricity minister, etc. Some of it has come to fruition. This year, I'm thinking there will be a lot around Transnet and the logistical challenges that we face. That's a good point. If we go back to last year, a lot of it actually ended up, electricity minister, a lot of it ended up in the budget, but the president did say a lot. And I mean, certainly in terms of, I just look at rooftop solar, corporates putting solar up, we have seen significant strides. Absolutely. I'm actually hoping that there will be some extension of those rooftop solar tax rebate schemes, etc. So I think we're certainly not out of the woods regarding the electricity. But not just last year, but the mm-hmm. last few years, we've come a long way in terms of this allowing the private sector significantly more freedom to generate their own electricity. So we've come a long way, but I think there's more that we could and should do. Yeah, I think one of your colleagues coined the phrase, which is sort of ESCOM has been privatized by stealth. If we come to this, Sona, you say it's about logistics. That is the huge bottleneck in our economy right now, whether it be the rail, whether it be the ports. There's a lot that needs to be done there, which the president can come with some reforms and make some ideas. Yeah, so the presidency has already announced some private sector access to ports and railways over the last few months. So certainly that's ongoing, but I think there needs to be significantly more. And you know what? That's been a key feature of the economy over the last few years. People are so hasty to say this is a failed state. I disagree, Mm -hmm. but there are certainly many failings in the state and failings in state-owned enterprises. But the fact that this government has allowed the private sector 
to come in where there are these failings of the state and failings of state enterprises to run these functions. I think a lesser government, a more controlling type government would have gone the other route in terms of just spend more money that we don't have, lose credibility amongst foreign investors, etc. And yes, admittedly, they were back against the wall regarding electricity and now logistics, but they're allowing the private sector to take up the role and help out there. So I think that will help us down the line over the next few years, this increased private sector role in the economy. That's a great point, and I hadn't really thought of it that. I mean, it's something which you would think intuitively to the ANC they wouldn't want, but they have talked the talk and that they've walked the walk to a fair degree in that regard. Is there also, and this would obviously be more the finance minister, but a, a bailout? I mean, the talk is that Transnet needs tens of billions. Yeah, I think we're on that point that we almost cannot not do it. So I think there needs to be some money for Transnet. What we've seen, though, with Treasury and the Minister of Finance is that they're fairly tight around conditionality. They tightened up the ESCOM conditionality in the MTBPS last year. And I think the conditionality around a bailout package for Transnet will be similarly tight. Combine that with the private sector access to railways, to the ports, to the functionality there. So I think that is almost on the cards. Maybe the president announced that usually he leaves the finance matters to the budget time yeah. and the Minister of Finance, but he could hint in that direction. And you make the point there, and you've made it a few times in this conversation now, we, you say we're not a failed state. There's a lot that's going wrong, make no mistake about it, but there's a lot that is working and that has been driven from government. We could do more, but there is stuff happening, and that's important. That is usually important. If you compare ourselves to similar emerging markets, some of the best in Africa, Mauritius and Botswana, the mm -hmm. worst in Africa, Zimbabwe, we're not great, but we're certainly not at the bottom of a pack. Yeah. Certainly not. And they, you know, the media, the private sector makes up for a lot of those failings, which tells me, yeah, we're suffering. There's lots of negatives. So we're not going to say there's not. But the fact that the private sector is very strong, that the media has got lots of freedom, that makes up for lots of those failings. So that brings us ahead of the pack of our similar countries. Yeah, I take your point. You know, we're not Turkey where we're firing central bankers and, and all the other uh, crazy things. We leave it there. Johan Els, Chief Group Economist, Old Mutual. Really appreciate the time. That's it for today. Yesterday we were chatting with Neil Hobbs from Hobbs Eclair Advisory, uh, talking around the Section 18A of the tax code. This is tax-deductible donations, including donations to schools. We asked if you were making use of this opportunity, pretty much equally split between all the answers. A third of you, yes, where I can. A third, not for you. And a third, need to know more. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The Money Web website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is Money Web Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Structured Products. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.